Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. Today we are going to have a summary of our group's discussion of Hour 9 in Learn the Bible in 24 Hours by Chuck Missler, and Hour 9 covers the book of Daniel. At the beginning of our discussion, we noted and recognized what is brought out in the first paragraph of the book, and that is Daniel is one of two humans, other than Jesus Christ, um, who of whom no evil is spoken in the Bible, so that makes him very unique. Except it is of interest to note that when he is praying, he not only prays about the sins and iniquities of his people, the, the children of Israel, but he also prays about his own sins. So he is humble and recognizes that he is a human sinful person. And then we got out of the way right away that there were a couple of assumptions or statements made in the book, Learn the Bible in 24 Hours, that we thought weren't grounded in the, in the scripture. One had to do with when Nebuchadnezzar built the golden image. It is stated in the book that he was talked into that by his advisors, and it doesn't say that anywhere in any of the Bibles we had. The other was the idea that the Magi were because Daniel set up a secret group of people to teach about when Christ would come again. And although it's possible, it doesn't say that in Daniel or anywhere in the Bible. But getting back to the beginning of the discussion at the beginning of Daniel, it starts with Daniel getting his name changed and also his three friends, whom after reading a little bit more about what their names meant, we sort of felt guilty calling them by their well-known Babylonian names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But in particular, it was noted that Daniel didn't make a big deal about the name change. He talks about himself as Daniel uh, all throughout the book of Daniel, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar refers to him as Belteshazzar. And then in one place towards the end, he also mentions that his name was Belteshazzar uh, in the Babylonian kingdom. But he doesn't make a big deal of this. He doesn't make that a point of contention with his captors, the same way he tries to actually very humbly and politely bring up the idea that he doesn't want to defile himself with the meats and the wines that are offered to him and his fellow captives. So this was summarized in saying that you have to have boldness with discretion and that not all situations and not all things you come up against are things where you need to plant your flag, so to speak. A counterexample was given of John the Baptist, who, when he spoke to Herod, very bluntly to the point told him that he should not have his brother's wife. And we could possibly surmise that's because Herod is saying that he represents the kingdom of Israel, and that's not how things are done in Israel. But Daniel knew he was not in the kingdom of Israel anymore. Daniel's attitude was compared to how slavery is addressed in the New Testament, where slaves are actually told to obey their master, and there's no indication that they should ever rise up as an army and fight against their captors, because that's not what the kingdom of God is about right then. And I'm actually going to do a whole other podcast on the topic of slavery in the very near future, because of a lot of research that I've been doing after coming across the subject again in Leviticus 
and Daniel. So again, from the example of Daniel, using discretion is not the same as being cowardly, and you can have a fighting spirit without being violent. Matthew 10.16 was brought up where it talks about us being wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And then Matthew 10.34, where Jesus says he came to bring a sword that divides truth from lies. So then as we looked at Daniel a little bit more from his perspective and thinking of him getting the three visions later that he gets, uh, somebody said it would be interesting to have seen his face or talked with him when he would be asking things like, who is Greece? Because in retrospect, we know very clearly who Greece was. But Daniel is told three times about this power that is going to be coming. Also, using Daniel's example and comparing to Esther, God has put us here now, just like he put Daniel where he was then. He has put us here to live now, and we need to have a rest and a security in knowing that. Then we talked a little bit about the story of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who are more commonly known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are presented as being very calmly bold about their decision of not needing to answer the king and that God is perfectly capable of saving them, but even if he didn't, they wouldn't bow down. And then we wondered if they were surprised or not to meet their savior and what was their reaction because we get all the reaction of Nebuchadnezzar, but we don't get to see how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego react to being in the furnace. There's nothing told about what happened in the furnace other than we know that they weren't hurt. There was no smoke smell on them, not the hairs of their head were singed, and that only the ropes were burned. We talked a bit about how in situations like this in particular, words are powerful. And then there was some reference to Mark 24, where the father of the demon-possessed boy said, I believe, help my unbelief, and how we often feel like that. Then towards the end of Daniel, you have the time where he's fasting for 21 days, and the way the story is told, angelic activity is affected by prayer. Then someone also brought up the example of when Moses' hands had to stay lifted as a sign of supplication, basically, to God about the battle that was going on then. Then we talked about the fact that the prophecies in Daniel give a very clear timeline of when they were to expect the Anointed One or the Messiah, and that is emphasized uh, in two places in the New Testament surrounding the activities of Jesus. One was that when he was born, Herod went to the people who should know the scriptures, and they told him where the Christ was to be born, and then also the example of when Jesus was riding on a donkey, which is prophesied in Zechariah 9.9, the Pharisees were telling Jesus to tell the people not to worship him because they recognized what was going on. So we basically wrapped up with the idea that the timeline for Israel, there um, actually from Jeremiah and then connecting with Daniel, talking about the seven weeks of years plus the 62 weeks of years plus that last week of years. All of that about Israel is very clearly laid out, but it's the time we are in now and waiting for Jesus to return. We are not given a timeline on that. So that is the summary of our discussion, and I obviously recommend that you go read the book of Daniel or listen to the podcast episodes where I recently recorded it and see what it has to say for yourself. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.